Today's Bible reading is Proverbs 12 on page 639 of the Blue Church Bibles. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Good people obtain favour from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. A person is praised according to their prudence, and one with a warped mind is despised. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. The wicked desire the stronghold of evildoers, but the root of the righteous endures. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. From the fruit of their lips people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labour. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. In the way of righteousness there is life, along that path is immortality. Well, in the first couple of weeks, if you haven't been with us, we focused on chapters 1 to 9 of Proverbs, which really sets us up for reading all the short uh, pithy statements found in Proverbs like we have in our reading today from chapter 12. Now, to understand uh, Proverbs 1 to 9 is really uh, key in getting why Proverbs is so powerful for us. And the short summary is that they really try, uh, those chapters uh, really try and do a sale job on us that we need to desire and thirst for God's knowledge and wisdom on how to live life well. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the entrance way into the wisdom of God, which fools reject. 
We've been uh, restrained in not simply giving a preacher's three-point summary of what the fear of the Lord is because Proverbs itself uh, cautions us against doing so. Because as we saw in chapter 2, we're urged uh, to store up God's commands, to turn our ear to wisdom, to apply our heart to understanding, to call out for insight, to cry aloud for understanding, to search for it like silver, like hidden treasure. Then and only then will we understand what the fear of the Lord is and to find the knowledge of God that leads to goodness in this life. We see in the opening nine chapters that living under the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. It brings blessings, it brings protection, vitality to life. And Proverbs 1 to 9 tirelessly commend to us that living under the fear of the Lord is a great, great thing. As we read on, we've seen that we are to approach this task, trusting in God with our whole heart, with an attitude of humility, submitting all our ways to Him, seeking to bring honour to God in all of life, and not despising his loving discipline along the way. Over chapters 1 to 9, the choice every person on the planet has before them is laid out and brought to a climax, as we saw last week, with both wisdom and folly personified. As chapter 9 paints a picture, both insightful and disturbing for us, that the call of Lady Wisdom, as it's put, and the call of Dame Folly can seem imperceptibly similar to our ears. Yet to embrace God's wisdom will bring life and blessing, whereas to fall under folly's spell only brings devastation and death. And once we grasp that tension of living in the world like that, once we grasp what's on the line there from chapters 1 to 9, the sense of urgency, the life or death nature of the task, and to have a burning desire in our hearts to find wisdom and to find life, then... And only then are we ready to mine the wisdom of chapters 10 to 29 with all the short, pithy statements all sort of converged together like we just had in our reading. As we cover topics such as work, character, justice, marriage, generosity, alcohol, friendship, forgiveness, family, death, poverty, and speech, the power of our words for good or for ill effect if you've missed either or both sermons, I would commend catching up on, online because to get Proverbs chapters 1 to 9 will really set you up using Proverbs well for the rest of your days. But as we move into chapters 10 to 29 now, I must uh, say when I first put this series together, I was a little bit more uncertain on how to progress because usually at this point, people craft a sermon, say, on wealth, a sermon on friendship a sermon on work perhaps, and pull together verses from all over the book of Proverbs. And while I'm not wanting to say that's entirely unprofitable, because I think I, like many others, can shape helpful sermons like that, I just can't get away from the thought, if that's how God wanted us to read the book of Proverbs and teach on it, He would have written it down like that. <laughs> he would have structured it in the way that it's compiled. Now, we, uh, as the Trinity Network of Churches, have a very high view of the Bible, which we think aligns with Jesus' view, as you see him, how he uses the Old Testament and how he bases some of his uh, very arguments on the specific grammar and points of some of the Old Testament passages. So as we come to Scripture, we think the way it's written, the way it's compiled, the way in grammar, uh, all presented exactly 
as God wants it to be. So as I wrote the Proverbs reading guide, uh, if you've been using it, I've uh, just got you reading through roughly a chapter a day, straight through over five weeks. And I did write some more in-depth studies and Sal has them uh, electronically if you want them from her. But uh, study three in that series uh, helps you to see how different types of Proverbs work and the kind of things they do. And uh, the fourth study actually does do what I just sort of said I don't sort of hold up in terms of putting all the Proverbs together on uh, wealth. And, but my goal in writing that study is not to model this is the most fantastic way to use Proverbs, but to actually show you the danger in treating Proverbs a bit like that, like a lucky dip, or treating uh, single Proverbs on wealth as direct, timeless, always true promises of God. Because the more time you spend in Proverbs, you'll realize that as a book, it actually reveals its wisdom slowly over time. Individual Proverbs nuance each other. Sometimes they contradict each other. And it takes wisdom to know how to apply them to life. And however you study them, I hope by the end of the readings and the sermons in this series, you'll have the confidence just to pick up a chapter of Proverbs like we have today and have a read and have a go and wrestle with it. Maybe do again in your Bible studies or over the dinner table to work out what it means to wrestle together with a chapter of Proverbs like it's presented for us. To try and find knowledge, discernment and life. So with that end in mind, when it came to today, I just sort of decided we'll pick a random chapter of Proverbs and uh, approach it like I would suggest that you approach it and show you how you can look at a whole chapter together. There's nothing special about chapter 12. It's much like the other 20 or so chapters of uh, Proverbs just like it, which uh, uh, have just random Proverbs like we have written, read for us. Uh, But Proverbs chapter 12, as I've uh, been spending time in Proverbs, is perhaps one that's shaped me most profoundly. So it'd be great to have it open in front of you. I always recommend that. Uh, But if you haven't already, open up the Blue Bibles to chapter 12 on page 639. And let's just give it a crack looking at a whole chapter together. I think one of the main reasons I want to commend the approach of simply reading chunks of Proverbs, whether it's half a chapter or a chapter or two chapters, is that it covers a great spread of topics in just a few minutes of reading. And whether you're reading it at the end of the day, reflecting back on the day that's just gone, or whether you're reading a chapter in the morning with the day open before you, I think it's always great to pray for insight from the Holy Spirit to bring out issues of wisdom that might benefit us at this time to reflect on. As verse 1 puts it, rather bluntly, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. That willingness to be disciplined by God's Word and the Proverbs is one of the points we made in chapter 3. And as an attitude, that humble attitude coming before God and His Word, it is an attitude that is necessary, humility, to discover what it means to live under the fear of the Lord. By reading chunks of Proverbs like this, I think you allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you through God's Word to bring to mind either past actions that you need to be challenged on or future decisions or actions that are weighing on your mind. So as I read a chapter of Proverbs like we did today, I'm not expecting every proverb to jump off the page at me, but I am expecting that some will and that they often have a disciplining 
or correcting action, which is why I got uh, Sal to print out uh, Proverbs 12 in your outline today. Feel free to uh, write all over it. But I did bold some uh, verses that jumped out to me and different ones uh, might jump out to you. The next few Proverbs in our chapter 12 today, uh, Proverbs 2 and uh, 3, uh, verses 2 and 3, commend goodness to us and call us to reject wickedness. Verse 4 brings out the enduring virtue of good character and it's all good stuff. But as I've read and reread Proverbs over recent years, it's actually this issue of the power of our words and the value of listening that God has been bringing to my attention, the Proverbs that have been jumping off the page to me. So as such, as I was uh, planning a sermon on words uh, from the beginning of this series, and when I come to a verse like verse 5, you read, the plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. As I've been in the book of Proverbs and particularly drawn to the power of words, I've found discussing about how we use our words coming up in conversation with the kids as we've chatted at the end of the day or read a book together. And it's simple proverbs like this when I read it that prompt me to ask the kids how they've used their words that day and whose advice they have listened to. As you would know if you have uh, young kids or kids at school, not and we've all been at school at one point, not all advice we get from our friends or peers is good advice. So proverbs like this are, are good for opening up that conversation and to talk to them that they need to be discerning. Verse 6 shows us something of the life-destroying effect of words that come with ill intent, but also the protective nature of words coming from those who speak out of an upright heart, which helps us value speaking well ourselves. Then as you read verse 7, while not addressing speech specifically, we're encouraged to reject wickedness in all of its forms and pursue righteousness. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. Prudence is praised as a virtue, verse 8. And verse 9 is very apt. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant that pretend to be somebody and have no food. It's a great parable that speaks of being content with what we have and wise in using our resources rather than spending our wealth on creating an image for ourselves, letting ourselves to ruin. And it's usually about this point, I realise I'm not just sharing good advice with the kids, but actually reflecting out loud about my own choices. And verse 11 jumps out at me, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense, speaking of how we use our time and not just uh, our time but how much energy we'll expend but also on whether or not we use it well and productively in creating something of real worth from our lives. Uh, We each have a great temptation to waste time and there's so many ways of wasting time uh, currently available to us. So it's again, it's a great conversation I've found as I've reflected with my kids Uh, to personally sort of think, well, you know, over the spell of a week, like how am I using uh, my time? How much am I putting it into things of enduring value? Uh, Praying for, encouraging people, catching up, opening the word together, serving others. These are great things for us to be talking about in our households and as a church community. 
Then in verses 13 to 19, we get a cluster of Proverbs all speaking on how we use our words and how we'll react to the words of others. So what I've just shown you so far is just going through some rather random topics uh, showing how they shape us. But you do find these little clusters in Proverbs that, again, uh, sometimes jump out to you. Verse 13, evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk and so the innocent escape trouble. Which highlights something great about Proverbs, that actually the mechanism of how all this works isn't always clear. So, you know, Verse 13, evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk and so innocent escape trouble. Like, how does that actually work in real life? And I think that is part of the genius of Proverbs because they force us to wrestle with God's Word and reflect. They're not just simply, here's a simple truth, here's another simple truth. (laughs) We're actually called to reflect deeply on how the Proverbs relate to life. How are evildoers trapped by sinful talk? Do they generally get tripped up in lies or does evil speech reflect something of the heart which when revealed to us, uh, when revealed to others, traps us? Verse 14 builds on this. From the fruit of their lips... People are filled with good things and the work of their hands brings them reward. And I think that fruit of our lips is a great image because we get that fruit is the final product of growth of a tree. The fruit of a tree is dependent on, of course, the kind of tree and whether or not it's healthy and has all the nutrients it needs and adequate water. This proverb then really elevates the importance of our words because they actually point to our inner health, our character and godliness. If you're heading into a challenging situation with someone, perhaps there's ongoing conflict, perhaps there's a person in your life, family, workplace, here at church who just rubs you the wrong way. I try, I don't always succeed, but I know if I can get my heart right about how I feel about someone, what comes out of my mouth is usually much better even when things go off script. And when you find people really challenging and you can't get your heart right about them, and I have a few people like that in my life. Uh, One of my staff uh, classifies these people as heavenly sandpaper, (laughs) kind of there to uh, smooth off our rough edges. It seems wise to me to use our words to express our brokenness, that anger or resentment to God as a confession to Him and ask Him for help in changing our hearts about people. Because in doing so, the fruit of our lips, if our heart is right, if our inward uh, godliness and how we think about things, how we apply the good news of Jesus in our life works well with the heavenly sandpaper people in my life and in your life, actually your words, the fruit of your lips, will be much better. And how we listen to words is also of vital importance, as verses 15 to 16 point out to us. The way of the fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. I was uh, heading into a meeting a while back with a person who I really respect and I think respects me, but we have a history of tense conversations. And as I was working through Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 12 was actually my reading for that day, which is part of the reason I'm preaching on it today, because it had a real effect on me. 
So in reaction to Proverbs, as I read it in the morning, I prayed that a lot of my words heading into this meeting with a brother in Christ would be good words, that I'd be godly, that I'd be productive, and that I'd be kind. And uh, the meeting, which went for a couple of hours, I thought, you know, 90 minutes in, I thought, this is going really well. I thought, this is great, praise the Lord, until we veered off script to items outside the reason we'd arranged to catch up. And we began talking about a big picture project I've been working on for the wider church here in Adelaide. And this person was wanting to challenge me on how I was going about it. And in the moment, I switched off from listening and began to see this person not as a brother in Christ, but an obstacle to be overcome. And I must admit, I did let my annoyance be shown a little. (laughs) Then I came back to the office, my happy place with our staff team there, and had a little vent, which wasn't overly wise. (laughs) And then as I sat at a dinner that uh, evening, it was a, a wider Christian gathering, and someone was preaching from Philippians about gospel partnership and the deep bonds that exist between brothers and sisters in Christ when we pray for each other, when we lift each other up and encourage one another. Both God's word from Philippians and the words of Proverbs 12 rebuked me. Now, if you're anything like me, I tried to kind of push it away for a little while and, you know, self-justify a while longer. But by about 2 o'clock Thursday afternoon, I could do so no more. We have an open plan office uh, where I work in Kernelite Gardens and I rather randomly turned to the staff team and said, I've been a fool. Here I was, here was I with a brother in Christ wanting to do good for me, wanting this project I was working on to go well and I didn't listen to wise advice. And then I came back to the office and had a bit of a vent about him which also was rather foolish of me, I'm sorry. And then I picked up the phone, I rang the person and apologised and we had a wonderfully encouraging chat and I gained further wisdom. For me... I think that illustrates the power of Proverbs to work bit by bit, day by day in our lives. Not every, if you read a chunk of Proverbs, or it's a chapter, half a chapter, two chapters, my experience is, spending a lot of time in Proverbs the last two years, that one or two will just grab you day by day and help lead you to wisdom. They have that correcting and encouraging shape. Because the decisions of wisdom and folly are presented to us daily. And I think that's the genius of God's wisdom to prevent proverbs, to present Proverbs like they are, to challenge us if we read a chunk on a wide range of topics each day we read them. Because as a new day, as a new week opens up before each of us, we might need to reflect deeply on an aspect of being a good friend perhaps or taking advice from a good friend. Or it might be money. It might be alcohol, it might be marriage, it might be character, it might be forgiveness. So I would want to encourage you out of this series to read Proverbs just as they are presented to us. And let's look at a few more in verses 17 to 19. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips Endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And there we have verse 18, wedged between two verses speaking about the importance of truthfulness, which as I've wrestled with it, made me wonder 
whether truth can be used both to wound and to heal. I was uh, pondering this and a friend from uh, Canada made an interesting observation on Facebook about the reporting of a school shooting that had just happened there. She linked it to an article where the focus was on a girl killed by a gunman in the USA from uh, a gunman was actually from her school and she'd previously publicly embarrassed this gunman. Now this guy had been stalking her for a number of years. So my friend encouraged us to think very wisely about how we use and convey truth. Because both statements were actually true. She had publicly embarrassed the gunman and the gunman had stalked him, stalked her for years. So the headline of this article, which my friend was encouraging us to reflect on, read, Gunman Kills Girl Who Had Publicly Embarrassed Him. But imagine what a different picture would have been put if the headline instead read, School Gunman Kills Girl He Stalked for Three Years. The first headline subtly reinforces something quite unhealthy about abuse and intimidation that girls should be nice to boys and go along with things, not rock the boat or speak out. Whereas the second headline would have been much more helpful that could have uh, laid the blame for the shooting, not on the girl, but of course exactly where it should be, on the shooter himself as a troubled teen. Now that, to me, was just an illustration of you can use truth in a way that tears down is inaccurate, unhelpful, or you can use truth in a way that builds up. So for me, that was a great illustration on, as Proverbs, you know, these are not sort of simple, easy to apply truths all the time. We need to wrestle with Proverbs. And as I read, uh, as it was, 17 to 19, it made me think, how do I use truth in a way that builds up? Because we're told the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I think the way that headline was shaped was rather reckless and brought pain when it could have been shaped, although it was truthful, uh, whereas it could have been shaped in a way that brings healing and help. Proverbs encourages us not to be reckless with words, even words of truth, because sometimes we can use the truth to wound. So as a number of us on the staff team at Colonel Light Gardens had a chat about Proverbs as we are talking about it in the office on the week, as we reflect on church life and try and keep making everything better, one of the things we encourage each other on is how can we speak truth and get to the heart of the matter quickly, but do so in a way that promotes goodness and healing. Because sometimes in Christian communities you can kind of not talk about important stuff under the banner of not hurting anyone, whereas uh, I think it's great to have uh, truth and clarity and speak about things openly but to do so very wisely in using even true statements, looking to build up and to heal and to encourage one another. A few more proverbs on our words very quickly, verses 22 to 23. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. As we speak truth to others... We also need to know when to speak and when to hold back and not speak and wait for a more opportune time. 
when someone is hurting, perhaps, perhaps exhausted, has a lot in life going on, perhaps. Grief might be evident. Sometimes it's best, actually, if our words are few. Because, as verse 25 puts it, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers up. And as chapter 12 finishes up and returns to other matters, I don't want you to hear me saying that there's always sort of hidden links to discover, but it is good to see how some proverbs in a chunk affect others by virtue of their placement among others. Verse 26, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As I've wrestled with Proverbs 12 and tried to think of it all together, it's made me realise the very important part it is to choose good friends and for my kids to help them choose uh, what it is uh, to discern what a good friend is and how to be a good friend. People who will speak wisely into my life, into their lives and to let them do so even when it's hard. Proverbs in our house has promised, uh, promote, prompted a great many discussion with the kids about being people of character and using our words for good when bullies are using words to pierce like swords aiming to hurt them or others. So as a week in our household goes by and we spend time in Proverbs, uh, what happened uh, the other week, there was a, an incident after school with a number of kids who got called to the office uh, the next day. Uh, encouragingly, uh, the uh, report we got back from the school is uh, that one of our children was actually helpful in that situation, uh, which was good, and they'd written up a, a bit of a report on what had happened there. But I wrote back to the teacher who had kind of jumped in because a bit of an altercation had happened after school hours. It wasn't really, you know, technically they didn't need to be worried about what was happening outside the school gate. And I wrote back to her and said, thank you, and it's encouraging to hear that our, our child in this instant uh, responded helpfully in this conflict situation. But please know also that when my child doesn't do that, we do want to hear about ways that they can be more helpful so that we can help them uh, be a person of character. And then just I wrote a paragraph uh, just saying to the teacher, I was really thrilled by the way that they had responded to this and how they had uh, given a kind but firm hand uh, to the girls in this instance on how to react better and just reflected on how much my wife and I were thankful uh, to God uh, for her and that we thought she was a really great teacher. Um, I heard back from my wife this week, the teacher came up and said, I just wanted to let you know how encouraging it was to get that email from your husband because as teachers, we only generally ever hear of bad things or criticisms of us. She said, I was having a really rubbish day I opened the email in response to this altercation that happened, think, oh, here's another email. And it actually made me cry in my living room because someone had taken the time to offer an encouraging word amongst other things. To me, this is Proverbs in action. One of the other kids who uh, bore the brunt of this bullying incident uh, that my daughter had gone off uh, to encourage, uh, I spoke to her parents at a, a school end-of-year sort of Christmas wrap-up thing and I just said uh, to the dad, I said, look, we never get to hang out much, but I just wanted to let you know, I spend a lot of time with families and kids, and I think you can tell a lot about the character of parents by the way uh, that their kids respond to situations like this. And I just want to say, I think you and your wife do a wonderful job. I know your kids, I've coached them in sports teams before, and I just wanted to encourage you uh, in parenting. 
And again, he was blown away that another parent was taking time to encourage. To me, this is Proverbs, using kind words to encourage and to build up and uh, to work through things together. I think it's just but one small example of how Proverbs can shape us week by week. Because as verse 28 concludes, in the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. Our words and the way that we use them between now and when we see Jesus face to face are part of that work. Interestingly, those two times of encouragement actually gave me opportunities to share something of the gospel with others and to model how being shaped by God's words brings life and brings healing and brings encouragement. So I want to put the challenge out to you first personally to reflect on a chapter like Proverbs and to think through both how you used your words in the week just past, to think about how you might use your words for good in the week to come, but also to reflect on how you listen to one another. And corporately, as a church, and let me say, we've, you know, I find it tremendously encouraging to see you all here after many months without a senior pastor and see to the staff and leadership and volunteers all lovingly serving one another. I find it very encouraging and we have been praying for you uh, from Colonel Light Gardens. I want to keep putting the challenge before you that Proverbs puts before you. Are you going to continue to be a church that uses your words to bring life to each other? Because we've all been part of churches or situations where people use words to bring down and to bring division and to bring hurt. I want to encourage you to be a church that uses your words to bring life to each other. Will the fruit of your lips reflect a heart that is pursuing righteousness and others' good? Will you listen to others' advice amongst your church community even when it hurts or it's challenging? Will you be like me, somewhat foolishly, and letting your annoyance be shown when that happens and then have to apologise and go through all of those things? Or will you hold your tongue and listen, and particularly if you sense the other person is longing for your good? As you think about how to respond in situations, don't think simply, does what I want to say, is it true? Ask yourself the second question, will it bring healing? Or is it a time for me to stay quiet and wait for a different time? Will you pray and search for the wisdom of God to know when to speak and when to listen? Will you seek proactively and take delight in cheering others on with a kind word and encouraging them? It's something that is uh, fast becoming absent as part of our general culture, as those illustrations I thought uh, bring out, to the power of a kind word. And as you reflect on your life together with Jesus, I think the more you read Proverbs, the more when you come to doing a gospel again, you'll see really that Jesus really is the wise man par excellence. Solomon in the Old Testament was known for his wisdom for life and people travelled all over the world to come and listen to Solomon's wisdom, to listen to him. But as Jesus pointed out in Matthew 12, verse 42, referencing himself, someone greater than Solomon is here. Will you be a people who embody the wisdom of God 
so that people from all nations, so that people from the whole Mount Barker region growing to 50,000 people in the next uh, few years will look upon you and say there's really something behind these people and give you opportunities to point people to Jesus, the true wisdom of God. Will you follow Jesus' lead to use words to heal the broken? Will you stand firm like Jesus did against evil and hypocrisy? Will you hold fast to Jesus in the salvation he brings, as the apostles uh, first did when they were confronted with a challenging circumstance and the temptation to stop following Jesus? As one of the apostles said, well, where else have we to go? (laughs) For you alone have the words of eternal life. Will you proclaim that it is God's wisdom personified that led Jesus to the cross to die so that our sins, including the sins we commit with our words, can be forgiven so that as a community of God's people we can show grace to each other? I tend to find, and you know, it's usually sort of 95% me putting my foot in it (laughs) rather than other people doing it with me, but I often find, even when I put my foot in it and you apologise humbly and honestly, often the relationship is built beyond where it would have been had the incident not have occurred. And that can only come in a community driven by grace, a community that follows the grace that Jesus showed us, that knows that our sins have been dealt with on the cross so that we can show that grace to one another. I think just on those few things we've touched on this morning, I hope you agree they are good things to keep pursuing together as a church so that whoever and whenever uh, might come and stand here, hopefully in uh, the coming months as your new senior pastor, they might be blown away by a church that is holding on to, pursuing God's wisdom, who are seeking to apply it in life corporately together, who are seeking to build each other up, uh, seeking to proclaim Jesus' words to the local community because who alone... (laughs) other than Jesus, has the words of eternal life. To be a community praying for the Holy Spirit's work to transform our hearts so that the fruit of our lips might actually be good and bring healing. As uh, Jesus pointed out to us, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, including the book of Proverbs. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us uh, in Christ and we thank you that as we read and understand uh, both the purpose and uh, the structure of the book of Proverbs, that when we reflect on Jesus' life and his words, that we can see him as uh, your very wisdom uh, personified. We pray, Lord, that you might do a great work amongst this community here at Trinity Church Mount Barker, that the book of Proverbs uh, might be a word that uh, continually shapes them. And what we've learned about it in uh, this four-week series might actually stand us in good stead for the rest of our days to just from time to time come and uh, pick up and read a chapter of Proverbs and let your spirit just work away at us and to highlight areas where we need to grow and that we might... Um, even when uh, our shortcomings and our sins are brought before us, we pray that the Spirit's work would uh, continue to uh, show us that they have been fully dealt with by Christ and that we are free of sin's penalty, but that we also might seek to be wise and to apologise where necessary, uh, to show grace 
uh, to one another and that when words are used for, for good uh, or for evil, uh, that your spirit might work uh, through both to bring about healing, to remind us of the grace uh, that we need, that we um, might experience uh, the grace that you have shown us in eternally, actually reflected from a brother or sister in Christ as uh, we recover from a difficult situation or an untimely word. And uh, we pray that this community might uh, continue to grow and continue to be encouraged and might continually uh, seek to live uh, not on bread alone but on every word uh, that comes from you. We ask this uh, for the good of this community. We ask it for the honour of your name in the wider community and we ask for it too for the great blessing it is to live amongst a community driven by grace, focused on the power of your word at work in us by the Spirit. So it's in the name of Father, Son and Spirit we pray and ask all these things.